You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest teas spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. And if you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, just go and give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram, or you can always join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description description below. All right. I'm really excited to get the tea from today's guest. She's a tabloid fixture here to teach me about love and hopefully she's going to help me find a nice kind of arrangement. Please welcome Rachel Yucatel. Hi. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here today. How are you, Rachel? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for asking. So every guest that comes on my show has to answer my icebreaker questions. Are you ready? Oh, gosh. Okay. Okay. I hope. (laughs) First question is, where'd you grow up and what part of the world are you currently living in? I was born in Anchorage, Alaska, and I am currently living in between Palm Beach and New York City. I love it. So you're on the East Coast now. You've always been on the East Coast, though, right? Or did you ever? For the most part. Yeah. For the most part. What's one word your mom would use to describe you? Oh, God, you're asking about the wrong person who I don't have a great relationship with. She would say I'm very resourceful. Okay, that's complimentary. Um, Fun fact, what's one thing people would not expect about you? Uh, That I'm very funny. I've been watching some of your interviews and I have to say you are pretty funny. And I want to chat with you because I feel like you get beaten up or you've gotten beaten up in the press. And I just feel like it's so unfair. Um, So I'm excited to like actually get to know you today. But the next icebreaker question is, what is your drink of choice? Uh, Chardonnay. I only have California Chardonnay. I'm actually not much of a drinker and I've never had beer. Really? By choice or? So I have a very odd phobia. When I was four, I ate poison berries and my mother gave me Ipecac, which makes you violently throw up. So I'm petrified of throwing up. So I've rarely been drunk in my life and I don't drink hard alcohol. I don't go on roller coasters. I don't eat weird food like sausage or, you know, I don't know any, anything that like might remotely make somebody feel sick, get sick, not be cooked properly. Um, and I am just scared of throwing up. So I, I will not go over the, t- the tolerance of drinking too much because I'm scared of throwing mm. up. And I've only thrown up once in my entire life when I was four. That's a fun fact. Wow. <laughs> that's a really fun fact. Yeah. Okay. Last icebreaker question, which is my favorite to ask. If you had to be reincarnated as a Kardashian, which one would it be? Um, the tall one. Chloe? Chloe, yeah. I like Chloe. She's fun. A lot of she's everyone's like favorite choice. Oh, really? Yeah. I happen to think she's the prettiest. She yeah, everyone she's always I feel like people always pick apart like their looks and but I mean they're gorgeous women and they're, you know, business women and I think they're killing it right now. Yeah. So talk to me, Rachel, what has been going on? You, uh, we saw you, you obviously made headlines back around 9-11 and then you made headlines again with the Tiger Woods scandal. You were on Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew and then we kind of didn't see as much of you until recently with the, the Tiger Woods documentary, which came out earlier this year. Give us a little update on what's happened since 
we last saw you in the news? Uh, well, I tried to, you know, stay really quiet and, and you know, be sort of a credible person in society. You know, I, I um, opened up a children's boutique, which won a bunch of awards for being best children's store, best baby guests. I loved it. You know, I loved having a brick and mortar store. Um, I was there every day. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, you can kind of only go to speeds. It's like namaste or I'm going to cut your throat. (laughs) So I really was like that very much so. And um, I really enjoyed my job. But at some point, you also have to know as an entrepreneur when to fail. And that industry of retail was not doing well. It was smoke and mirrors for a long time before the pandemic. And I had to know when to close my business because, you know, as the overhead grew and the overhead was so high, you know, you're using your own personal money to fund it, to make it stay in business, even though every month I was winning awards. So um, I had to know when to close it. And it was very hard because you have an identity as a business owner. You know, you've created a brand. I had a beautiful brand. The store was named after my daughter. It was called Wyatt Lily. And um, down to the bags that I made that people would walk out of the store with, they were just gorgeous, you know, and people from all coasts would um, say, oh my God, I know your store. I love that store. And to have that identity and no longer be known as Rachel, you could tell comic Tiger Woods mistress, but to be known as the owner of Wyatt Lily really gave me confidence and, and um, gave me something to associate with people with. And I, I loved that. Um, and uh, it was very sad for me when it closed. It was really hard for me. So, um, but that, that was what I was doing. And then I was trying to figure out my second act of life when the pandemic hit. And um, so that's where I was when everybody's life kind of became uncertain again. And so now you're the first ever spokesperson for Seeking Arrangement, correct? Yes, I am, which I think is really exciting and really smart of Brandon Wade, the CEO. Clearly, that website has kind of been under scrutiny for many years because it's dealt with the taboo of sugar daddies and sugar babies and finding an arrangement instead of a relationship. And, um, you know, online dating is a billion dollar industry. Bumble and Match are publicly traded companies valued at, you know, 40, uh, you know, one of them is valued at $43 billion. So people can't scoff at the online dating industry in general, right? So like, let's start there. But what people don't know about seeking arrangements, it's that their members have more than Bumble or Match. So more people are on seeking arrangements than are on any other site, but people just don't like to talk about it at the dinner table. So if you look to your left or your right and you said, do you know about seeking arrangements? It'd be like, oh yeah, I'm on it, but nobody likes to admit it. But so, you know, people are, are, they don't want to talk about that taboo and they don't want to say that they want to be part of that, but everyone wants to be a part of it. So they brought me on to sort of demystify and destigmatize what's going on on the site because it's a great site. The only way you can have a successful relationship is if you are transparent upfront. It really is. And online dating is the place to meet someone right now. As we claw our way out of the pandemic, you, you know, you cannot go to bars or, you know, places in person right now to meet someone. It's not safe. So the way to meet someone is online and the way to do it successfully is to take time to get to meet them, to take time to see if there's chemistry but also to be very transparent about what you want, what you can give and who wants to go on a fourth date with somebody and realize that they're living with their mom, that they can't afford you, that they are gay and you're straight, 
that they're married and you don't want to be with someone married. I mean, why, you know, if you put it out there, what you want, you're able to get what you want. I mean, don't you think? No, I agree. I think too many times we put on this mask on the first and second date of like the person that we think the other person is going to like. And there is a lack of transparency. We're putting on what, you know, we think is going to be attractive or what we think is going to get us to the next date without just being ourselves and talking about what we really want. And then having that open line of communication that, you know, that's why so many people, when they're a few months into dating, they're like, oh, you're not the person that I met on our first date. You've changed. Your priorities have changed. But it's like, no, I've just removed the filter that's been there since the first date because now I feel comfortable being myself. And now you don't like myself because I wasn't myself going out the gate. Right. And so many people are scared of not being liked. But what if you were able to take a deep breath and say, this is who I am. Let's see if anyone likes me this way. And you would find that there's 22 million people on the site. Someone's going to like you. And how great and refreshing would that be that you can find those people that come into your inbox and like you just for who you are. And you're able to meet them in person eventually because they like you, you know? So, I mean, how many people go on dates with people and then you hear these horrible stories? Oh my God, this person, you know, I was talking to them and then they showed up and from their picture, you know, they were 20 pounds heavier or they they were 10 years older or, you know, all these crazy things. I don't know why people start out online dating like that. They set themselves up for failure. That's crazy, you know? So anyways, our site is, is great because it gives you the optionality to check boxes that you want checked. And whether it's love, whether it's long-term relationship, great. But if it's also no strings attached, if you just want to see someone on weekends, if you, if you, you know, are a same-sex partner, if you're, you know, whatever it may be, I could name off things all over the place, but that's, that's what it is all about. But people have gotten stuck, I think, on this thing that they think it's just sugar babies and just sugar daddies. It's absolutely not. And I also want to take the opportunity to demystify what that sugar baby and sugar daddy thing is. I think for a long time, people have, you know, stopped and looked at that. And it's, that has nothing to do with the money being exchanged. It's really more, that's the older man and the younger woman that makes people stop and stare. But if you think about the money being exchanged, our parents, your dad pays for everything for your mom, right? (laughs) Or people in a long-term relationship, you see the man buying their girlfriend dinner or paying for their purses or, you know, paying for things and nobody looks twice at that. So people like to be in a relationship where they feel taken care of and there's nothing wrong with that. So people, women shouldn't feel bad about knowing their worth and wanting to date somebody that can take care of them. And nobody should feel embarrassed about wanting to trade up and wanting to say, I know my worth. I want to date a man with an education that has a job that can provide for me. And, and that is nothing to be embarrassed about. People should feel um, empowered by that and wanting to date that. I mean, if that's what you want, if that's what's going to make you happy, then like, I don't get why anybody else needs to judge that necessarily. Like if the two of you are happy and you have your arrangement and it works for the two of you and you're in love and your life is working for you, then who am I to judge that? You know? Right. I mean, I I wouldn't mind having a sugar daddy though, Rachel, let me tell you. Say that again? I said, I wouldn't mind having a sugar daddy myself. Well, right. So you could come on the site too and have one. I mean, listen, they're, they're not no one's pushing them out of bed, right? I mean, they make your lives easier. Um, and, and it's a nice way to be taken care of. And by the way, it is really hard to not end up having feelings for someone that takes 
care of you, right? Because they really make you feel um, empowered. They make you feel taken care of. They make you feel loved. And then you want to take care of them too, because they make you feel special, right? Um, But also we want to demystify the word arrangement. And we're starting to really use the word seeking.com instead of seekingarrangement.com. But arrangement is actually no different than the word relationship, you know, because when you are in a relationship, you're really in an arrangement because your parents were in an arrangement. They, uh, you know, they made goals. They made an arrangement of what their relationship was going to be that worked for them. So we're trying to demystify that because I think people get really, you know, like, oh my God, this is just an arranged relationship where people are paying for relationships or it's so, um, you know, transactional. And it really isn't. We really don't want people to get hooked on that. Um, There is a difference between people paying for sex. And that is not what we are. And that's not what we want to be about or known for. That's illegal. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about real relationships where you're upfront, where you're transparent and what you're getting, which what you want out of a relationship. And we know that when you are um, transparent, you will have a successful relationship. We know it. I've had successful relationships on the site and I can attest to it. I think more people need to be honest about what it is that they want and just not even have the shame of or the fear of what other people are going to think of them. Right. Well, because everyone's doing it. And that's why, you know, they're just doing it behind closed doors. Right. So um, but like if we put you on this, are you dating anybody right now? I'm single right now. I'm very, very single. Okay, so like if we put you on the site um, and we could do it, you know, off camera, but like, you know, we could put you on the site, we could put exactly what you're looking for, um, and check all the boxes that mean something to you, the, the, you know, the economic bracket, the, the educational bracket, where you want them to live. And we go through it. And then we literally look through the profiles of who interests you based on if you want them to be family men, if you want them to be party animals, what age bracket you want them to be. I mean, it could be so fun. We could have a lot of fun with this. It sounds like a lot of fun. And then we start talking to them and you see what kind of interaction you have with them, which I actually think is the most fun part, because for me, you got to see who gives like good phone. You have to see who has the energy with you that can banter back and forth, Mm -hmm. who is um, available. Like if people are not there to be available to chat with you, they're full of it. You know, they're like, they're not around and and there's something to them that doesn't make them real. Um, But you, you'll have this connection with them to be able to really talk. And then you'll kind of miss speaking to them. You, you'll wake up wanting to talk to them and really want to meet them in person and they'll become real to you. And that's the best part of online dating because you get to know someone without this physical um, spark, right? Yeah. It's an emotional spark. And that's how you can really tell if you like someone because then you can end up meeting them and they can be a troll and it doesn't matter because you're so you're so like into who they are as a person that it really doesn't matter. And that to me is, is finding love. And then on top of it, if they're like a sugar daddy, Oh my God, you've got a kid. <laughs> take care of me emotionally, <laughs> take care of me financially. Um, to play devil's advocate. What about the, um, the people that say, Oh, well this sounds very superficial because you're trying to go for a certain income brackets and certain types of people that are, you know, excluding a lot of other great options, all the other fish in the sea. Well, I'm, but I'm not excluding other fish in the sea because I'm not talking about men that are making a hundred million dollars. And 
there are, you know, you can go for that bracket, but you could also go for the men that are making a hundred thousand or 60,000. If those are your type and that man can still take, why can't that man still take care of you? Of course they can. We're not talking about buying Chanel purses, right? We're talking about emotionally taking care of you. And there's nothing wrong with those men. I love those men. You know, those guys can be great guys. So um, the people want to talk about uh, the difference between the gold diggers or the people that are looking just to be taken care of and be sweet. You know, I'm not talking about the gold diggers that are just going on the site to look for uh, people that want to have men to meet up with them and give them money for sex. Again, that's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the real women that want to come on there and want to meet a guy to really be uh, upfront and honest about what they want and have a successful relationship because they want to talk about what works um, because they can have an open and honest relationship. I'm, I'm not talking about what, what you just brought up. These people that right. want to leave out a certain category because they're not wealthy enough enough or whatever. It's open to any category of money. It's really about what you can give and get no matter who you are and how much you can give monetarily. I, I don't, I don't think it's, it, it means you need to like be in a Rolls Royce and flash money and gifts. You can give gifts in different ways in your heart right. in giving, you know, in, in giving anything, a card. I mean, it's all about giving yourself, you know? Yeah. Have you ever had a sugar daddy? I, again, I don't like to use that term per okay. se, but yes, I, I mean, I have had success on the site a couple times, actually. And <clears throat> um, I, ha- I have met someone. So I am a love addict. So I go for someone that I, ha- I have like a deep connection with, right? I can't date someone, even if they have so much uh, wealth, I couldn't just be with somebody because they were wealthy. So I will start there. I will get so irritated, roll my eyes, and I'd rather be homeless on the street <laughs> than date somebody who I cannot stand. Yeah. Right. Do you know that feeling? Yeah. I would rather I could I'll end up punching them in the face. So um I have to have some sort of connection with them. So I have met um a couple people throughout the years on the site where I've had real connections with them who happen to be um, you know, successful men that I've had um great relationships with now they didn't end up being like my forever love which is fine it worked out for being the the men of the moment but it wasn't it definitely wasn't a one-night stand it lasted for a a little bit of time for for what it was you know I, I wasn't living in New York at the moment so it was exactly perfectly what we set up for from the onset I'm so happy with with uh the relationships that I've met on that well that sounds like I'm ready to sign up today yes I'll get you a, a, a membership for free. You'll try it. Yeah, you let me know. So do you, <clears throat> I feel like in order to get to this place of being confident enough to be like, this is what I want and I'm not going to settle for that. You kind of have to go through the insecurity roller coaster of like learning how to be confident. Do you feel like your experience of, you know, being a tabloid fixture and even being on television and kind of the scrutiny? Cause I've always thought that like, you know, yes, it was a big scandal with the Tiger Woods thing when it happened, but I always felt like you got the short end of the stick. Like he got to have a career again after that. He got to have his big comeback. And I feel like people continue to scrutinize you. Do you feel like you've gotten a chance to redeem yourself? Um, you know, um, no, I, I think that it's been a, a long 10 years of having to be in the public eye and not 
uh, get out of that stigma for whatever reason, right? I'm not really sure why that's lasted. It should have lasted maybe 15 minutes of fame, right? Um, but the, the it's been interesting because I had 10 years of fame uh, of being the world's sort of victim with September 11th too. So it's almost like a decade of each maybe for me. I, I'm, I'm not really sure how, how that's gone on so long, but I get it. I mean, because he was the world's hero and it, they need a monster uh, to blame maybe. Um, so it, I, it was 10 years of me being really silent and I felt like I needed to sort of un- uh, chain those shackles because I felt like it was it was very hard psychologically to sit there and let people create a narrative about me um, because there's so much stigma around the other woman and it's just you know finally I was just like it's not okay to just keep bashing the other woman there's two people in a relationship and you just can't keep bashing the other woman whether or not I'm the other woman right but just to listen to the commentary over and over and over and the words they get associated with the other woman are so strong, but there's no words for anyone else in a, in a relationship that's a dual relationship, right? right. Uh, uh, it, it wasn't like it was non-consensual or anything, you know? Um, so, but, you know, homewrecker, whore, hooker, you know, all these crazy words that are used for the other woman that can never have agency to have a comeback really, you know? Um, and if she's young, she's a victim. If she's older, she's called all these names and there's no middle ground of, oh, I made a mistake. Let me move on and ha- find your own path to get out of the way. Um, so it's been a very odd way to find my myself, you know. Um, and, and so it was a great opportunity when Brandon Wade came to me and said, you know, we're trying to find a way to have this new branding, rebranding of our site. And you have spent the last 10 years trying to figure out a way to rebrand yourself. It's the it's the perfect thing. And because you dealt with relationships and you're, you know, an expert, so to speak on rebranding and knowing what that's like to have a stigma and have to come out of that uh, and have to swing bats at the media and branding. Can you help us with ours? And it's so exciting for me to, to be able to do that. Do you feel like the tone towards you has changed in the recent couple of years now that we've moved into this movement of female empowerment and, you know, owning your body and owning your sexuality, do you feel like the tone from the public has softened at all or has it been still pretty much kind of stigmatizing you? Um, It depends who you talk to. I think during the Me Too thing, uh, you know, the public softened a little, but I think it's gotten right back to what it was. Um, You know, my title for the world is still what it was. You know, I can never, I, I never seem to be able to get away from that. I, I don't know why. Um, you know, there are much more famous uh, women who are with famous men, yeah. you know, um, and I don't know why the public hasn't let my scandal die or me in that scandal die. Um, and um, I was just one of many. Right? So yeah. I, I'm not really, um, Sure. But I think the public has softened on um, on the idea of actually, no, I don't. Now that you're asking me. No, I think the other woman carries the stigma. And, you know, we're, we're still talking about hate a lot in America. Yeah. So the hate right now of Asians, the hate of blacks, the hate before that it was 
you know, of, of women. So hate is a, is a term that just keeps, we keep identifying it with different people every couple months. Um, but it is huge in America. And if you think about what we keep looking at towards each person, it, it's always the same. It's looking at how nasty people are towards whether it's race or um, gender, um, but it's all the same words. And it's all the same words that I um, went through when people were talking to me. It's the same stigma, right? And all the same words that people used to say. So I, I went through it 10 years ago and have have felt it for those, those 10 years. I mean, not everybody is that way to me, but I definitely have felt it, you know, that rage and hate of people. Where do you think that comes from? Because I feel like, I mean, it has to come from like some sort of like insecurity or projection. Whatever they're dealing with in their own personal life, uh, they're, whatever they're threatened by in their own marriage, whatever history they've had with adultery or maybe their parents. But I must trigger something in them that reminds them of cheating or yeah. betrayal. Something that and hurt them. Yeah. So, so I have never met them. I've never personally hurt them, but their anger projects on me. Like I personally did something to them. And this is what I think happens, because, but I get it from everyone. And it just shows me how many people have been betrayed or lied to for so many years. You know, have you talked to Tiger Woods since everything broke and has there been any mending? I can't talk about that. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, what about your time with Dr. Drew? Have you kept in touch with him? I love Dr. Drew. I have kept in touch with him. Um, and he's someone that's, you know, remained a stable part of my life. And how yeah. do you how do you feel about your experience on the show? Because I know there was a lot of um, a lot of stars that came out that said that it was a really great experience for them and a lot of stars that maybe felt a little exploited doing celebrity rehab. So it's funny that you say stars came out and said they felt exploited. I never understand that. Because I was there and I saw what it was. They got paid money to get clean, like period. So they took money to be given an opportunity to cut their drug, to kick their drug habit. So I don't even know what the hell they could complain about, quite frankly, right? Dr. Drew gave and VH1 gave them a chance to uh, live. And since that show, many people, I mean, Met a lot more than should have have died because they went right back to drugs. Right. So anyone that says they've been exploited, I just think is, is so horrible because uh, you know, they took the money to be on the show and they were given a chance to live. For me, it was 30 days of being there really understanding what love addiction was and really getting a chance to work on my issues with losing my fiance in September 11th and losing my father to, um, cocaine overdose and um, being with a group of people uh, almost like a, a big Al-Anon meeting and really understanding um, grief and um, drug overdose and loss. Right. And I connected with those guys in a great way. I, I mean, loved being there is not a great word, but I will say I, I really got a lot out of being there. It was not like doing a reality show. Um my relationship with Janice, obviously, if you remember the show, was a complete nightmare because she's she was difficult on the show. But, you know, I always tried to, you know, work things out with her. But I felt like whether it was due to her drug habit at the time or whatever, she was being very difficult. But 
I felt that I tried to make, you know, things amicable and she just, you know, was difficult. But uh, if you watched the show, <laughs> I was always calm with her yeah. until I wasn't. Um, but I really tried my hardest. But no, I, I um, that show really helps people. So I get very defensive when people say that, you know, it, it's it's a bullshit show. I heard a little rumor that you were on the shortlist to join the Real Housewives of New York. Did you ever actually interview with the producers to join the show? Um, so I was two years ago, they had asked me to, uh, interview and that was the year that they had Leah, um, join. And then no, I know that there was a rumor last year. It was like a total rumor to me. I never, like, I saw everyone talk about it. I no, it was a total rumor. And, um, yeah, that, that was it. Would you ever join a Real Housewives franchise? I mean, people ask me that all the time. I mean, I think people are lying if they are saying they wouldn't join a franchise like that because it's such a great way for people to see your personality if you're someone that has been so misrepresented for so many years, right? right? So that's my statement on that. Um, but, you know, it's not something that I'm like actively pursuing or anything. So I did put a, a call out for questions from um, the listeners on the show, and they did send some fun questions in for you that um, I would love to ask you about. One of them okay. wants to know if you would ever now, I guess, because you're in Florida, if you would ever consider joining the Real Housewives of Miami reboot. Well, I really live in New York, so I probably wouldn't do Miami. And I'm not like a Miami girl. I yeah. think I've been to Miami like three times. <laughs> so no. Um, CEO of the home wants to know what shampoo and conditioner you use because your hair is insanely lovely. Oh, thanks. I use um, Kerastase, the green, the green bottle and the pink bottle sometimes. Love it. Um, Lisa wants to know how your love addiction is doing since you've openly spoken about that a lot over the years. Um, it's doing fine. I definitely find that there are people that I know are my kryptonite is what I call mm. them. And I can spot them a mile away. And sometimes I will be open enough that I say to them when I speak to them, like, you're my kryptonite. I can't even speak to you. Like, I can't even have a conversation with you because you'll pull me deep into my love addiction. And they're like, what are you talking about? That's great <laughs> like intuition though. No, that's so smart. I remember when I interviewed Dr. Drew, we talked about your picker and how so many people just their picker is off and they yes. keep gravitating yeah. towards that. And that's why they continue to perpetuate this cycle of failed relationships. Yes. I'm somebody who has a bad picker, <laughs> which he's told me. So I won't go as far as looking at that person and say, I have a bad picker and I, you're one, you know, you would be one of them, but I will say you are someone who's my kryptonite and I literally can't have a conversation with you because you'll pull me into a hole. And usually the guys will be flattered by that and try to, you know, and think that that's like me flirting with them. And I'll be like, no, 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 you don't get it. Like, I can't talk to you because you'll, you'll, you know, be bad for me. So I try to stay away from those people because I know that those are people that will have me do this. I need, I know that I need to stay with people that will not send me into a tizzy. So I try to remember that. I'm not always good about that, but I try. 
Well, Caitlin wants to know if you have any advice for other love addicts. Like, are were there things, like, did you go to therapy or what helped you kind of be able to, one, recognize the toxic types of, of men that you were attracting and be able to break that cycle? Yeah, so I for, for other love addicts, I actually would suggest there's any books by Pia Melody are great books to sort of just have in your house and to once in a while flip through. Um, they're really interesting to like, just when you feel that kind of aching in your heart of like, oh my God, I'm feeling like I'm obsessing about a guy or I'm not feeling so good about what I'm doing or um, I'm constantly looking at the phone and feeling like I'm missing out on my life because I'm obsessing about a guy. That's when you're starting to fall off a track of, of self, self-worthiness. And that's when I open a book of Pia's. And immediately just from reading a chapter, I feel like I get back into, okay, I'm good again. And that's what I do. And I actually keep it by my bed. Mm, I'm going to have to check those books out. Um, And then a lot of people asked about your relationships with P.K. Kemsley and Harry Dubin. Okay. (laughs) So Harry and I are are like best friends. I actually have um, been with him all week and his family. Uh, We're going to dinner tonight with my daughter and his whole family as well. and you know, we're just literally very, very close. And I'm close to his whole family and he's close with my daughter. And I've known him for many years. And, um, you know, when you have such a good friendship like that, you don't want to ever ruin it by going past that level, usually. So, I mean, unless, you know, you're going to like marry the person. Right? right. So I think people see us together all the time and like want to make a scandal out of it. But it really isn't. And I would never cross that line um, because we're so close. And PK, I knew. I want to say 10, 15 years ago, um, I would have to get the dates correct, but you know, I dated him years ago, um, when I lived in Vegas. Uh, and I know that's totally random. Um, and, um, but we were friends for like a year and he always used to try to, to get me to date him. And I thought it was a joke and we were just buddies. We were so close. And out of nowhere, you're going to think this is crazy. I fell head over heels in love with him. And it was nuts. And it was one of the scenarios where um, his personality just won me over. And then out of, I, I was just like, oh, my God, I'm in love with this guy. How did that happen? And um, it was funny because I started to talk with an accent. His accent really gets to you. Really? Because I, I would always be like, PK, what are you doing today? <laughs> Because you know? everyone drags his wife Dorit now because they say she she has a fake accent. I know, but when you're around him, you speak with an accent. Oh, darling, PK, what are you doing today? And I would I spoke with an accent when I was dating him. Have you kept in contact with him since? No, 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 no. I would. I love- mean, I have his number in my phone. It's not like I wouldn't, but he's you know I wouldn't contact him now. No, it's been many, many years. Oh well, I I mean I think I. From the way you speak so highly of him, I would love to to see that exchange. Um, but it, it's funny that you mentioned the accent piece because so many people always come for Dorit about her accent. Have you ever met her at all? No, no, we didn't overlap at all. She was after me. But, you know, he was a big customer in my nightclub. I used to run nightclubs in Las Vegas and New York. And he was one of the first customers that was cultivated to be a huge spender. So he would spend $250,000, $300,000 in the clubs um, and be known as, as one of the big um, 
guys that would come in and people would flip out when he would come mm. from London and spend the way that he would spend. And he was my client. So people would know that he was my client was coming in. This is before we dated and, um, and know that PK was coming and all of his friends were coming from London and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, he was kind of a celebrity before he was a celebrity because he was this big spender. So, um, you know, anyways, he had a great personality. He always had a great personality. He was destined to become famous. <laughs> well, I love it. Well, Rachel, where can we keep up with you and where can we find a arrangement or relationship that may be best for, for us where we can find what we're really looking for. Okay. So people should go on seeking.com and sign up for sure. And um, soon I will be, you, you will be able to go on the site, and actually click a link where you can um, connect with me and I will be able to help people with their profiles. Mm-hmm. if They're having trouble with them. So I can help you find a perfect match easier. And also, if you want to contact me directly, you can go on my Instagram, which is Rachel Yucatel NYC, and you can DM me and I can help you that way. But I um, am really excited for people to be able to find their um, match. So I really hope that people try that out. I hope so too. I'm going to need you to help me set up my profile. Yes, I really want to. I'm going to give you a, a membership and you're going to do it and I'm going to do it with you. Oh my and then goodness. you're going to come and then you're going to come on and you're going to talk about how you found your your arrangement. I think it's going to be so fun. I think that would be so fun. And everyone <laughs> loves watch hearing my dating disaster stories already that they'll actually like to hear a successful story. Oh good, that would be <laughs> so funny. I'm dying. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, Rachel. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank I love chatting with you. And I, everyone needs to go to seeking, seeking.com, right? Yes, seeking.com. Seeking.com so that you can find your perfect match. You can have Rachel help hook you up. And, and let me know how it goes for you if anyone's going to try it or if anyone is a love addict and, and is taking Rachel's advice. Let us know how it's working for you. Slide into my DMs because they're wide open. And like I said, I'm very, very single. And be sure to, to hit up Rachel. Follow her on Instagram and check out Seeking.com. Thank you guys for listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me. You can give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. Be sure to follow the show at No Filter with Zach. And get ready. We have a lot more tea to come this upcoming Monday. Lots of, of breaking news with Jen Shaw and Erica Girardi and all the, the latest reality tea that's about to be spilled. So get ready. Lots of news to break down. Please leave me a five-star review if you haven't done so yet because I am a millennial and I do love that validation. And I need you to validate me even more until I find my perfect man. All right, guys, I will talk to you next week. Bye.